0: Thank you for joining The Bevel Talk, Season 12, Episode 2, The Life Cycle of a Pipeline. Today, we're talking with special guest Terry Mueller. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to Bevel Talk. Thanks for joining us. Today, we've got Terry Mueller with TC Energy. Terry, thanks for coming to join us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. So, Today I wanna I wanna talk about the life cycle of a pipeline. I know there's some perceptions out there that that pipeliners or pipeline companies really don't plan or care a whole lot about where things are going and how it's going, but the pipeline guys that I've been around and the gals that I've been around have been very meticulous planners and very conscious and care greatly about the detail of their work. So Talk me through the life cycle of a pipeline from from planning to execution.
1: What does that look like? So um, first and foremost, I just want to kind of dispel the myth. You know, most of the transmission companies in North America, we are so concerned about public safety, the quality and the deliverability of making sure that everybody's consumer needs are met and we do not take our jobs very lightly we do are very serious about it and the amount of money that TC Energy spends on you know integrity work uh, research and development um, other stuff like this as well quality programs everything is to ensure that you know what the public's protected at all times and that's one thing i want to kind of mention first and foremost second thing is is how we start from the beginning from point A to point Z. So on point A, we usually find, you know, where is the demand? Then we have a regulatory process. It's not like we just go and start slap, you know, putting pipe in the ground. We we actually have to get permission, both on a federal and a provincial, or if in the United States and on a state level to get applications made. And when we do the applications, before we even think about anything, we have to show a quality program. We have to show our welding program. We have to do the assessments as well. And we have to do environmental impact studies. There's a lot of forethought before we even think about striking that first arc or what type of material to use. Once we get that regulatory approval done, then we start doing our design. And our design is usually involved with piping engineer, stress analysis, um, all these team members to ensure that when we place that piece of pipe in the ground, it's done in a prudent and a safe and a a manner that, you know what, 50 years time down the road, that pipeline is going to be just good as new. And we do our, we try our best. Then once we get the design done, they will tell us what materials to use. The welding department will look at welding processes and we have them start using automatics with great success. I was mostly involved with facilities and Winchell was one of the first projects where we did actual wire process in the shop and the field. And with the field itself, it was a great success. When we start doing, as we looked at the quality, we actually had less repairs visually. We had, when we did the welding procedure, we met or succeeded code and specification requirements dealing with tensiles and impacts and hardness and all the rest. The other thing that we did with the welding as well, and this is something where I'm a big you know fan of, is with the RD root, because of its profile itself, This is where I think a lot of people have this misdemeanor and I think we need to talk about it. We always look at the present day. You know, yes, do we have a repair? Yeah, so that's fine. What happens five years or 10 years or 15 years down the road? Um, With, because of the RMD, what we have, I have seen in a previous project where we use that wire process, the roots look like brand new. While when we used, you know, cellulosic on that same thing, it you know because of the actual profile, we'll never ever have a smooth profile. We found degradation by you know erosion and corrosion in those areas in, in the has zone. So using the RMD process, we can say you know we're going to have a longer lifespan, and that's really important because you know what? Yes, we constructed we new construction you know yeah we had zero repair rate, but what's going to happen 5, 10, or fifteen years time down the road with uses new technology? I can honestly say that we can, you know, we will not see erosion, you know, from vortexing around, along the has zone on a root pass because of the smooth profile. The other thing as well, and I think people do forget, is because of the smoothness of the actual well itself. Um, doing the visual inspection on your cellulosic, it's you know, it's kind of a, I'll be honest, a little bit of a hit and miss. Uh, Opportunity. Uh, with the with the RMD, because it's so smooth and everything else, when we use actually phased array UT and we use time of flight diffractive uh UT on those joints, because of the smoothness, we have a better evaluation both with destructive and a non-destructive uh testing. So And once the once the well gets complete and it meets both non-destructive and destructive examinations, then we place it carefully in the ground, making sure that we meet the regulatory requirements as we stipulate in our our permit, then we have the pipeline assessment comes into play. And pipeline assessment is kind of our, I always say our security guards when it comes to the operation of our pipeline, they ensure that there is no defects or any other things that would affect the integrity of that pipeline for its life cycle. So that's kind of point A to point Z. So using the rmd process and using miller technology in the field has been very advantageous one of the other things i want to add as well we talk about welding but i think we're forgetting about induction heating and the induction heating we used at windchill was phenomenal it did a couple things one increased the safety because we had no open flame we did not have to worry about some helper you know swinging the torch around and you know we actually had it wrapped around. We had trained technicians to make to ensure that it's done in a safe, prudent manner. The heating, it took quarter of the amount of time compared to using tiger torches. It was consistent. The one other thing, as well, with induction heating and using with the with the RMD is when we use the induction heating, we noticed that the weld puddle actually got kind of How'd you say it? More controllable during the welding process, and I think that was one of our one of our items of success that we used to get that zero repair rate.
0: Well, and I, I think that goes back to some of our previous statements that it, it can't just be a process changes; it's got to be a process change for, for quality has got to be maintainable for the operator. It's got to meet quality standards and, and you change for change sake doesn't work, but finding out what's out there that you can change, not just in the welding, but in the heating or, or in pipe bending or joint preparation or, or land and, and, and bevel and everything, just the whole process of, of building a better pipeline.
1: It is. It's natural progression. It's like perfect. I always use analogy of automobiles since that's my hobby. Think of back in 1960s and look at the braking system on vehicles. They used to have ABS. I used to call it almost braking system. Look at the cars we have now. You know we have airbags. We have a. You know we have ABS. We have lane control. We have all the safety features that are put in cars, and they actually increase the longevity as well. If people think, oh, they don't build them like. The they used to, uh, I like to say, thank God. Because the thing is, is, I remember seeing cars back in the '60s. You might get a hundred thousand, you know, miles out of an engine, and you need a rebuild. Now you get vehicles that have over two hundred fifty thousand miles, and they are still working great on the road. So, and that's the same thing that's happening with the welding industry. You know what? People do not like to step out of their box. They feel uncomfortable. But us as TC Energy, when we you know, help and support prime contractors to think out of the box then they start using wire and all of a sudden they're they're, they're excited to do it you know what when you have a company i remember i used to say oh you got to change your welding procedure oh but now all of a sudden i got companies who stand there now it's a wire welding procedure they're they're more than happy to change because they know the it's an investment not a cost
0: ArcReach Smart Feeder delivers excellent RMD and pulsed MIG welding up to 200 feet away from the power source with no control cables, twice the distance previously possible. RMD and pulsed MIG processes also help reduce weld failures and eliminate backing gas on some stainless and chromoly applications. For more information, visit MillerWelds.com wirefeeders. And a few minutes ago, you mentioned something about, you know, vortices and friction inside the pipeline and, and a smoother internal, uh, root pass face, um, and profile. Something that I hadn't considered was what that root pass profile will actually do to the to heat affected zone. And, you know, you think of oil and you think of, of that as all, well, it's all smooth and slip, slippery and, and. Yeah, but it's still a fluid moving through a pipe. There's still heat. There's still friction. There's still particulate in there. It's it's not all smooth and fine and dandy. And that's all the things that go into the longevity of a
1: pipeline. You're one hundred percent correct. Um, you know, if I take a fluid, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's gas or if it's a liquid and, and it's just basic physics, if I have a intrusion into that flow, it affects it. It creates vortexes. And as we all know, there's always a little bit of softening in the haz zone. And sometimes, you know, that's a bit of a concern. And if we have this root passes, you know, cellulosic root pass, which does not have a, you know, a smooth profile, you know, sometimes we have seen degradation in those areas. But I had a project where it was under brackish water, which is one of the toughest fluids to deal with. And using the RMD process, and they're saying this is 12 years after. They said they couldn't see any degradation whatsoever. So the proof's in the pudding. Uh,
0: that's amazing. So for our listeners that don't know, why is brackish water so difficult? What what makes it so challenging?
1: Well, on the one project with brackish, brackish is it's it's kind of a microbiological attack it attacks the actual corrosion um we used to have an one system we used to replace pipe every two years and when you have the one in the world's largest sag d operations it, it's not the best thing to do you're shutting down operations to replace piping so our we had a uh, very very smart general manager says well why don't we try a different material?" And after our materials engineer looked at it and we came to the conclusion that, you know, for bang for buck, that duplex and super duplex would meet our needs. And when we did that, because we did testing, we did some testing to ASTM 938A, B, and C. We have done researched on welding processes, you know, root passes and everything else. We came to the conclusion that you know what, after the first phase, where it actually we're behind by a month and a half because they're using, you know, they're using a TIG root with a stick fill and cap. Where we did look into wire, and we found out after they took the pipe, the piping apart. The one with the, even with the TIG, there was degradation. With the one with the RMD, there wasn't. Because of the profile, it was smooth. There's a very smooth transition. And because RMD was designed to remove or you know, to greatly reduce the idea of lack of fusion of total welds, we saw nothing. It, they said they went through the pipe and they said it just looked like it was brand new. So that's, that's something that, you know... You know, wires using wire processes in North America. You know, there's always reluctance, But if you go look in the European market, they they insist on wire. They if you ask them to weld it with stick, they did they just shake their head. So, the North American marketplace has to step up. We're ten years behind, and that's that's my that's my opinion on that so what
0: what's the driving factor that's that's holding us back in the North American market that you think? What's your speculation there?
1: Well, my speculation was we had a situation twenty years ago where we had some problems, and all of a sudden a metal core and flux core had somewhat of a a bad connotation to it. That was twenty years ago. Think about when the first stick welding came out and how many repairs it came out from that, and people forget about that. you know what. That was the past. We got to start thinking more to the future. And when we start doing with the wire processes and forget about, you know what, consider it less learning lessons. And when you start going up and you saying, you know what, I can give you a welding process to guarantee you to increase productivity, increase quality all at the same time. It's a no brainer. And you have and all of a sudden you have to do one thing as well. And this, especially for me as an end user, you need to support initiatives. And that is one of the biggest things. We have changed our welding spec to allow this process. So us as end users need to forget what happened in the past, change our specification, allow our prime contractors and I consider them team members as well, because we need them to build equipment for us, allow them to kind of expand their horizons in a safe control manner. We want to make sure that's that they know how to weld with this process. And that's why I said numerous times Miller has been a, a you know a godsend to us because you know numerous times I, I asked Scott for you know Scott McKay for help and you know what, Miller's been there. And that's you know, when they see that their welding supply company, their you know, their equipment company and the end users wants them to succeed, they want to succeed as well.
0: Well, and I, I think it's it's definitely indicative of of the industry trying to to maintain quality, safety, security, um, productivity, but also moving forward. Um, you know, it takes time to be able to do that as well. You know, to be able to test and verify and understand. It's hard to run and understand what would happen in in a ten year in service pipeline without actually seeing it in service for a while and. So there's there's so many factors there, and I think that's what's so interesting about your role is you know involved in all aspects of the pipeline.
1: You know, it was um, I was I was kind of fortunate. I kind of went from the ground up, and you know, I was a quality control inspector in a shop. Then I became quality manager. Then I became the welding specialist and stuff like that. And it was interesting to see you know when you get. Everybody involved, and this is something I think a lot of people forget. You need the welders want to weld with this equipment. You want the QC people to be, you know, get involved. You know, show how I can push a button and all of a sudden I get my heat inputs or energy outputs. You know, and you you give it to the engineers to show them. You know what? This is the, this is the type of weld we're producing, and all that stuff. It, it is a team approach you have to have with this. You cannot just be an you know. We'll just do it ourselves. I I I need Miller, and you know, Miller. We worked together for many many years, and you know what? We set the presence for others to follow him numerous times. So, you know, is we we have to change. It's 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 got to be mandated. It's not, you know, it should be a should, not a shall.
0: Yes, and should and shall are very different words and have very different meanings. If you are not familiar with that in code,
1: yeah. Well, a shall is a mandatory requirement. Should is you might, maybe. You know, if you say, you know, you shall look at this piece of equipment and do an evaluation. And all of a sudden it gets them interested into this, you know, into investing. And I don't call it a cost because, you know, everybody hears the word cost. You're going, oh my. But if you, if I invest into a piece of equipment where I get a, re, you know, a return on my investment in six months time, and all of a sudden after that, it, it just creates a profit. What a great business case to have, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Terry, thank you again for your time. Uh, We appreciate it. We look forward to talking with you again. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on Bevel Talk.